Pennsylvania. I'm not sure where you are in the world, Walter. Where in the world is Walter? Um, and uh, of course, we don't think that Steve and Priscilla will be uh, intercepting us. Uh, they're partway across the Atlantic Ocean right now on the Queen Mary 2. We'll probably talk about their trips quite a bit, actually, uh, especially if we get any any uh, news back from them uh, when they're at land. At all, uh, some of you in Rhode Island, some in Florida, uh, me right here in Belmont, Maine, this morning, and uh, we are in Luke chapter four, looking at the life of Jesus through the lens of Luke, and uh, we've looked at the harmony of the Gospels before, but this time around, we're looking very specifically just through the lens of Luke. Yes, we will probably reference back and forth 
some other passages as we go. Again, to anybody that listens to these podcasts or watch these as YouTube or Facebook uh, videos later on, these are live. There is no editing. Uh, what what you see and what you hear is what you get. And uh, sometimes we have a little bit of frivolity and have some fun. Uh, sometimes we're quite serious, uh, but always we're we're trying to keep ourselves being Jesus centric uh, and uh, centered on Jesus. So. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 4. We looked yesterday at the temptation of Jesus, really the passing baton. We consider the baptism of Jesus uh, and then the temptation of Jesus and and lessons that we learned uh, from uh, Jesus' temptation about going back to Scripture. Now, I had uh, something happen yesterday. I was out. I was in Bangor. I was in Fayette, which is over west of Augusta, I was in South Portland, and I was back in Belmont again uh, yesterday. And on two occasions, my GPS uh, failed me. And, uh, you know, we we think, okay, our GPS is going to take us where we need to go. And, you know, our, our, our Bible should take us where we need to go. But sometimes when we only look at a little part of the Bible, um, we we can be misguided, and that was kind of the case yesterday. My device wasn't telling me to turn left on two different occasions, and I'm like, uh, where do I go? And the one occasion, I, I went right, and then it told me to go the other direction. I go, oh, no, you need to go left. And uh, um, the illustration I'm trying to give is we have a GPS. We, we, we have uh, the Bible as our spiritual GPS uh, but we need to keep it in context, and it's kind of the same way with, with that the, the GPS in the car that you use. You, sometimes you have to look at the broader context, look at the map, look at where you're going, um, or what else is being said further in directions to understand a point. And, and there, there can be danger of taking one verse out of context. And kind of the classic, one of the classics of this is, you know, uh, people who say, I'm just going to point to a verse, and that's my verse for the day. Well, what if you happen to point to the verse that says Judas hanged himself? You know, that. Uh, what do you do with that? Well, I certainly don't want to be applying that. Uh, but then you take, you, you, you continue the same approach. The next day you point to a verse, and it says, what what thou do, do as quickly. Um, or, no, that, that's the third one. The second one is go and do that likewise. The third one is what thou do, do as quickly. Uh, is kind of the old uh, example that we use of, of uh, not using a good study approach at the scriptures. And, and so yesterday with the GPS, I had to kind of pan out and go, okay, where am I trying to get to? Oh, over there. Oh, okay, I see what I need to do now. Same with the scripture. Uh, you, you, can, you can rely on the scriptures actually more than you can rely on the GPS. It's true. really is true. And uh, for us to learn how to handle the scriptures uh, appropriately. And uh, as I was musing this morning earlier, I, I think there's a lot of us that think we handle it appropriately, but we still miss lots of things because we're still within a culture that understands scripture within a cultural paradigm. Uh, and if you go to a different culture with the same scripture, it may look different to you. And I'm not saying the scripture changes. But I'm saying the way that it is applied in another culture may look different. As an example, today, I think today, or it's today the 5th, today is Christmas Eve, right? 
January 5th, I, I think I'm correct, is it's either today or tomorrow, Christmas Eve, because the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Eastern churches, uh, celebrate Christmas this weekend. Is their Christmas. And and they'll do many of the same things that, that we do, but there are nuances of difference that, that have informed them and why they've reached the conclusion that they've reached. Um, so culture, and, and we look at things through a Western lens, uh, and uh, we're not always accurate. We're not always correct. And we, and we make the assumption everybody else sees it the same way. Now, again, I am not saying Scripture changes. It does not change. Uh, it, it transcends time. It transcends cultures. Uh, but the understanding, the way it's understood uh, in other cultures, it's kind of like speaking with Pastor Jacob. Uh, there are things that we will say uh, as some of our slang phrases or idioms that we will say, and you'll look at somebody like, like Pastor Jacob, or you now he's he's been around long enough now that he gets it, uh, or other people that look at you like, I don't understand. What are you talking about? You know, uh, it's like, as an example, the old English, how great thou art. And uh, for for a while, I mean, the picture that comes into the mind of a person from another language who hears art is thinking artwork. Um, you understand where I'm going? We can trust the Bible, but we need to look at it properly in context and make sure that because the, the devil, as we looked at yesterday, he knows it too, and he can use it against us to trip us up. So we looked at the temptation, uh, the, the baptism temptation yesterday. Today we pick up in verse fourteen. It says Jesus returned to Galilee, so he went uh, over down over to the Jordan, uh, where John was baptizing, and now he's come back to the Galilee. And it says in verse fourteen, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And he taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. They praised him for the way he taught. Now, I, I want to highlight a key. I, I titled this this morning, Keys for Jesus' Ministry. And really, it could be Keys for Our Lives. Maybe it would be a better title from Jesus' Ministry. And, and in verse 14, he returned to the Galilee in the power of the, I can't even say it re- returned to Galilee. Now it's the Galilee because that's how I see it. Uh, he returned to the Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Now, what I want to key in on is that we see here in this verse, verse 14, we see Jesus being led of the Spirit, returning in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' reliance upon the Spirit. When we go back up to verse 1 here in Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit in the desert. A key to Jesus' ministry, and I want to suggest to you uh, that a key to us living a, a fruitful Christian experience is our reliance upon the Holy Spirit we need to rely on the Holy Spirit for Holy Spirit power uh, in living life. Now, as I was looking at this this morning and, and, and uh, a little bit of preparation, I, I got thinking about my own self. I mean, there's a lot going on right now, and I need to rely on the power of the Spirit. And 
a lot of travel, beginning of a semester, uh, some a lot of new students, which is great. Praise God for that. Uh, trying to run ahead of the curve more than we've ever done before, at least during my few years with the college, New England Bible College and Seminary. Um, but then at the end of uh, January, realizing I need to be in Atlanta for a disciple-making event, and then uh, that's for a few days, and I really should have been there one more day, but I, I got to return for a school board meeting. Um, and in the midst of all that is just all the various things of ministry going on and money and fundraising and thinking about the need of South Sudan and, and other things and just a lot there. And so I am being personally reminded this morning to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and to allow the Spirit to lead. And, and and sometimes the Spirit might go, don't do that. And so trying to get our head around some of those things and being led by the Spirit. Sometimes there are things that we say, I want to do this, but sometimes it, it the Lord is trying to direct us maybe a different direction. Uh or to scale back, or to have a different view, or those types of things. So I just I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to think about uh, the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Verse fourteen, we, where we're picking up today, says Jesus returned to the Gal to the Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Then it says, and news spread about him through the whole countryside. Now, why was the news spreading? The news was spreading because people had perhaps been down to the Jordan, perhaps had witnessed uh, the, the baptism of Jesus, perhaps heard the words of John who said, look, and this, this is recorded in the book of John chapter 1, I think verse 29, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So people heard this. Uh, people may have saw the dove descend on him. Uh, people may have heard the voice. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So all of that news may have spread, so it makes Jesus somewhat famous. Uh, it, it, and again, they didn't have uh, they didn't have Twitter X, I guess it's now called. They didn't have uh, Instagram. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have news outlets. Didn't have CNN, uh, CBN, uh, Fox, any of that. None of that stuff was there. And yet, the power of the word of mouth spreading about Jesus, and and. The news spread because John had indicated, here's the Lamb of God. Here is the, the Yeshua HaMashiach. Here's the Messiah, the one who will take away our sins. Um, and so the news is spreading. Fantastic. We're excited about this, you know, about the news spreading. Now, there's going to be something negative here that we're going to get into in just a couple verses. And I want us to, to just hang in there for these few minutes uh, as we get into these some of these challenging things because life isn't always rosy, is it? Sometimes they're difficult challenges. So it says of Jesus, and, and I, I wish I'd been a little bit more on top of, I need to get all my Israel pictures on my computer. I've never done that. I need to do it uh, and to see what the synagogues look like. I mean, the synagogue really, uh, for the few of you, some of you that have been in our house, Fran, you've definitely been in our house. Uh, I don't want to say you've been in our house more than we have, but you know the house. Uh, a synagogue is like the size of our kitchen and living room area uh, and, and that kind of front office. That, that's the, the synagogue in Nazareth, it wasn't a huge, huge edifice. We tend to think synagogue, huge edifice. No, they really weren't. I mean, 
you, you're getting in there 50, 60 people maybe. Uh, and it, it, there were people who sat behind the speaker and on each side of the speaker and in front of the speaker and kind of a podium. Uh, I don't want to call it a pulpit stand, uh, kind of central in the room. And the speaker would speak from there and they would have conversation back and forth and that type of a thing. And so Jesus went into the synagogues and, and that's what he did. He taught it. And it, often teaching in that day is not like teaching in our day. Teaching in that day, it was much more highly partip- participatory. Uh, and notice they, as I described it, they weren't looking at the backs of each other's heads. They were looking, uh, from side to side, from end to end, looking at the speaker. Uh, and yeah, there may have been a few rows and they were, um, set apart by heights of, of, of the, of the seating, uh, like bleacher style type seating almost. So, I mean, you didn't have somebody's head directly in front of you, uh, but it was more participatory than what we do. We, we today like to, yeah, kind of circle like horseshoe shaped, really, really more like a square. I mean, Fran said circle like more, more like a really not even a square, more of a rectangle, uh, shape, uh, with, with seating all the way around the speaker. Um, and again, I've outlined for you the size, uh, maybe. 40 feet wide by 60 feet long, maybe something like that at the most. Wasn't huge where he was uh, teaching in the synagogues. And there was more than one synagogue. Every town had its synagogue. Don't confuse synagogue with temple. Temple was in Jerusalem. Uh, and synagogues, all the towns had their own little, many of the towns, not all the towns, but many of the towns had their own synagogues. And as he taught, he taught in such a plain way that he was easy to understand. He didn't teach with, with the voice of authoritarianism, but he did teach with one who had authority. He, he taught it in such simple language that people could understand. Now, this is what he's doing. He's in Nazareth, his, what would be considered his hometown. He is teaching there, and it says he went to Nazareth uh, where he had uh, been brought up. In fact, I'm ahead of myself. He was in, in the synagogues of other towns around Nazareth, verse 16 picks up with Nazareth, uh, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I just want to say this, a little, little commercial, that if if we offer the opportunity to get back to Israel, you ought to consider taking it. You know, uh, maybe, maybe even now, if you're able, start putting a little bit of cash back so you could afford a trip like that. Uh, and uh, uh, it, it was quite powerful to be in the synagogue in Nazareth uh, and have a, a person stand up and read this section of the scroll. I mean, uh, we were in the synagogue, which probably was maybe even the synagogue that Jesus taught in. Uh, if not, it was a, a rebuild of that. I think they said that they had re- done some reconstructive work to it. Um, but quite powerful to be there and, and to consider, you know, I'm, I'm standing 10 feet away from where Jesus would have been standing and speaking and uh, reading this section of scroll. As we find here, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed him and rolling it. He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And Jesus knows that this is what he has sent to do. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners 
and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, Okay, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. That's one. Two, he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Notice it doesn't say he's appointed me to or anointed me to preach the good news to uh, the elite. Jesus went to the poor. So those of us that maybe are, uh, you know, more on that that end of the spectrum socioeconomically were the very ones Jesus would have been going to. He wasn't going to the Donald Trumps. He wasn't going to the Joe Bidens. He wasn't going to the Janet Mills. He wasn't going to the um, Matthew McConaughey's. He wasn't going to, you know, Hollywood. He wasn't going to Oprah. He wasn't doing any of that stuff. He was going to everyday, ordinary folk, just like you and I. And, and he's proclaiming. In fact, he's not only going to them. He says, I am sent. I'm anointed to preach the good news to to the poor. Uh, that That is to whom I am sent. And uh, just to think about Jesus being sent for you and I. It goes on, it says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Now, there's all kinds of prisoners we can think of. Is he just going to go around to jails and release people? No, that's not what he's talking about. All of us are in spiritual bondage. Uh, and, and all of us need to have a release from our spiritual bondage. And Jesus came to set us free from our bondages. And it says, recovery is sight for the blind. Now, there's both the spiritual aspect of blindness, but also as we go through the gospel, we will see Jesus literally healing people of physical blindness. He says to release the oppressed. Friend, are you today one who is oppressed? Do you feel oppressed? Do you feel weighed down? Do you feel pressured? Uh, I took my blood pressure this morning. It's a little elevated because it's it's there's a lot going on and uh, some big decisions I need to make about different things and places I need to travel and uh, things I'm not getting done because it, and so the pressure's up and I'm I'm not trying to say I feel oppressed but checking my blood pressure it's like okay I, the, the weight of the pressure is there and you maybe have some of that too. Uh, it might look in many different ways. It could be the, the oppression of dealing with getting older. Uh, it, it could be the, the feeling oppressed internally, depressed, discouraged, uh, because something has gone terribly uh, amiss, and uh, um, you're terribly discouraged. Well, this verse tells us that, that Jesus comes to to release us from our depression, to release us from our oppression, to help us. And today, I want to encourage you, if you are a person who's in a place of feeling oppressed or depressed, defeated, disillusioned, cry out to Jesus. That's my encouragement. Cry out. To, in fact, if, if there are literal tears of crying, cry out to Jesus because he came for those who are oppressed. And then it says uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That year, those years, were definitely the years of the Lord's favor. Uh, and the Lord has favor for you and I. Now, I, I want to be very careful that I don't go where uh, Western, leaning toward prosperity gospel goes uh, in this sense. Uh, in fact, the more I'm reading the scriptures, the more I'm understanding 
the place of suffering at times in our lives and, and what God does through difficulty and what God does through trials and what God does through pressure and what God does through challenges. Uh, and yet, in the midst of what we're going through, if we can hang on to, in the midst of our struggle, God's favor for your life. Uh, and it doesn't mean that your life's always going to go the way you want it or my life's going to go the way I want it to go. But if we can hold on to God's favor, that he wants to release us from oppression. He wants to set us free from our bondages. He wants to give us spiritual sight. This can help us in our overcoming. I mean, back at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus was going through temptation. And here we're going to read just a little bit further in this section before I completely run out of time this morning and see something that happens to Jesus he has just said something wonderful. It says this. Let me move this up to screen. It says, then he rolled up the scroll. And remember, they didn't have books. He had scrolls. And not everybody had scrolls. They had scrolls often in the synagogues, not all synagogues, and not even all the scrolls in all the synagogues. But they happen to have Isaiah in this particular synagogue in Nazareth. It says he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It says, all spoke well of him, were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. But isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in uh, Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, save alone or but only to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Now, now there's something that, that Jesus begins to get into here. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Uh, Jesus didn't go to everybody in his day. We have that responsibility, friends. Uh, someone asked me a week ago, they were struggling with something that Paul wrote in the book of Colossians, where he said, I, f I, I fill up what is lacking in regard to Christ. In fact, let me show you that, that verse. Uh, because they were kind of perplexed and troubled, like Jesus didn't accomplish all of it, and I helped them understand. Uh, at the end of Colossians chapter 1, uh, Paul says this, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, the person was asking to you, so Jesus it wasn't sufficient. Yes, what Jesus did for our salvation was sufficient, but the necessity of taking the message around the world falls on us, and that was what was lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. He goes on and says, I become its servant by the commission of, that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the saints, to whom God chose to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, in the words that he uses, the glorious riches of this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
He says, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. In verse chapter 2, he continues, and he says this, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and those at uh, Laodicea. Uh, for they, or Laodicea is how we normally would say it, for all who have not met me personally, my purpose is they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. And that was what was lacking, the understanding of Christ. In order they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, and that is, that's what, uh, was lacking. Uh, and let me take us back over to Luke chapter four. Uh, Jesus, in his speaking, says to them, you know, that, that Elijah didn't go to all the widows. Uh, Elisha didn't go to uh, all of them except a Syrian. And the Syrian was outside of uh, the, 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 the people of God. But yet that's who Elisha went to and who Elisha, whom God used to heal uh, Naaman the Syrian. Uh, and, and so Jesus is saying, look, I've come for you Jews, but I've also come for the Gentiles. And it says this, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill. And I've seen that hill uh, on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Now, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to continue working down through chapter four here to this healing because there'll be a couple of healings that will take place. But what I want to highlight is the fact that all the people in the synagogue were furious. Uh, and where I'm going with this is, okay, it looks like it's going to be great. And how quickly it turned because Jesus spoke truth to them. They liked the stuff that they liked to hear. But then when Jesus began to to talk about the further implications of the global gospel, they turned on him. And sometimes that will happen to us, that, that when uh, when we go further and say the further things that, that God wants us to say, people shut us down. I'll give you one example, and I, I know I'm at the end of my hour here, half hour here. Um, people are willing to talk about God, but when you start talking more specifically about Jesus, People get uncomfortable, and, and, and the conversation, the, the, the tone will change. And I say people, I mean people who aren't Christians. And sadly, sometimes Christians get uncomfortable. I want to encourage you that when you talk with people about God, talk about Jesus, because then it gets very specific. Jesus is God. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is creator and sustainer of the earth. Jesus is coming again. Uh, Jesus is, is the one who will judge. Uh, Jesus is the one who procured salvation for all who believe through his death on the cross. So we talk about Jesus. I encourage you, don't generalize it to God. Uh, in that day, in that part of the world, especially when, when Paul would then take the gospel later on and move across what we now know as Turkey and then on over to Greece and eventually over to Italy, um, he talked very specific terms because they had lots of gods. Uh, there is a Disney series on, written from a book, uh, uh, Piercy Jackson, Jackson and the Olympians. It's a Disney series taken out of those books that references back to all those gods that they recognized who weren't gods at all. Uh, 
So you could talk about God, and some would think you're talking about Zeus. Some would think you're talking about Apollos, or Apollo, sorry. There's Apollos in the Bible, and Apollo, or some would think you're talking about uh, some of the other gods that were there. So when we get very specific and talk about Jesus, it can change up the tune. Jesus faced trials and temptations. He can help us in our trials and temptations. Jesus came to to bring freedom from the oppression. Jesus can help us in our oppression and our depression and our difficulties. Uh, but Jesus also came not just for you and not just for the Jewish people. Jesus came for for all people. Uh, he, he he's a global Jesus with a global gospel, and and it's for all who will receive it. And uh, that created problems for him in Nazareth. So much so that they chased him out of town. We may feel like we suffer setbacks when we do the things that God wants us to do. I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you today to keep doing the things that God asks you to do, whatever they are. And they may not make sense to some people, but do them anyway. Follow after Jesus. Lord, help us to follow you today. Help us to be encouraged by the fact that you will help us in our oppression. You will help us in our temptation. You help us in our discouragement. You'll help us when, when we're blind and don't know what direction to go. You will help us. And then you also set the example that as we live for you, the world may turn against us. So, Lord, help us to be emboldened to live for you regardless of how other people respond. That we might bring you honor and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week, friends. Have a good weekend.